Some years ago I was living in the United States and I met some people who were Civil War reenactors. That means they gathered together quite often, dressed in as, a, as authentic uniforms as they could find and, and lived as authentically as possible and reenacted battles of the Civil War, often on the battle sites or as close to the battle sites as they could find. Uh, so, so much so that uh, some of them would not shower or wash uh, for days before they joined the battle in order to be even more authentic. Um, fortunately, when I met them, they had showered. I also met some in the United Kingdom uh, who were reenactors of the English Civil War. Uh, they found it more difficult because the records of go, don't go back as far and the details weren't as available. But it was really important for them to be as authentic as possible and to be as in that moment as possible because that was the important thing. There was, no, there was always an argument about how much revision is allowed. If you can't get the material that's exactly the same as the material that the Confederates wore, uh, used to make their uniforms, is it okay if it's the same colour? All these kinds of conversations constantly going on amongst... Uh, amongst Civil War reenactors, And it often reminds me about the way we operate in the church. We're often very keen to discuss the kind of arcane details of things that happened a long time ago. Our urge to preserve who we are and the way we've always done it seems to, to me to sometimes trump the most important things. Particularly since we follow someone who didn't seem to care much about hanging on to things at all. He gave stuff away and he encouraged other people to do it. He gave food away. He gave his reputation away. Over and over, didn't seem to give a toss about it. He encouraged us to give our lives away and he did the same. So when we read this reading from Pentecost... It's important to read, but we often get stuck in the details. We're not, our job is not to be re-enactors. We're reading an account from a completely different time and a completely different place, from a very specific time and place. This was a Jewish experience in a Jewish context. It was at a Jewish time, the Feast of Pentecost or Shavuot, it was in a Jewish place, Jerusalem, the holiest place on the entire planet for Jews. Was then and still is today. And it was to Jewish people. There were Jews and Jewish converts from across Palestine and across the known world. It was steeped in Judaism, this event. And they were, the actual events that we see were very Jewish in themselves. You wouldn't have needed to be a great Torah scholar, a great scholar of the Hebrew scriptures, what we sometimes call the Old Testament. Not to be able to pick up on some of these issues. It begins with a rushing wind. When do we see a wind in the Hebrew scriptures? Right at the beginning of everything, don't we? It's, there's a, there's a, a violent wind, one of the translations of the first, of the second verse of the first chapter of Genesis says, was sweeping over the face of the planet, over the face of creation. In the very moment of creation, there's a violent wind. At this moment, there's a violent wind. There's a fire. 
Well, any good Jew would know the fire is is the presence of God in the burning bush or the presence of God in the pillar of fire that led the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt and into the promised land. And people heard the words that were being said. We don't know exactly what they were, but they heard them in their own language. And any good Jew, any good reader of the Hebrew Scriptures would know we're now talking here, surely, about the Tower of Babel, this extraordinary mythical story uh, shrouded in mystery about everyone coming together and building a tower that would reach up to heaven and then somehow them being scattered by God so that no one could understand each other. Which, of course, led directly to the, the development of the nation of Israel, the chosen people of God. This is dripping with Judaism for good Jews. So what do we do with it? Well, we could sort of reenact it. If, and people do sometimes try to reenact these things. But maybe we should be reading the details differently. Maybe we should be reading the entire text that we're given differently. I always thought one of the worst mistakes we've made as the church was to bind the Bible into one volume. It makes us think it's a book. So of course it's not. It's a collection of books. We all know this. But we forget and we think it's a book. So we ask questions like, what does the Bible say about about premarital sex? What does the Bible say about whether you should eat meat? Well, that's like going to the library the state library or even your local library and saying, what does the library say we should do about taxation? Well, the library doesn't say anything. There's lots of books that say things, some of them contradictory to each other, all of them are part of the great conversation about what taxation, premarital sex, whatever you want to talk about. They're all in there. It's all part of the conversation, but you can't ask, what does it say? Because we take these documents Uh, to be completely different from each other. We've got, in what we call the Bible, we've got ancient history, we've got poetry, we've got letters, we've got these strange documents called the Gospels, which appear, from the way most scholars talk, as as if they're quite different from the other kinds of genres of, of literature that we've ever had previously. They've had this experience, as Dean was telling us, these contradictory experiences of this person, Jesus, and in trying to write down that much later, they, in a sense, by accident, invented a different way of writing, a different way of talking about something. If we read the Bible more mythically, and by myth, of course, we mean, as Joseph Campbell and uh, lots of religious scholars have said, a myth is not something that never happened. It's something that happens over and over again. These are the stories we need to tell ourselves to make sense of our world. Or as Neil Gaiman said, fairy tales are more than true. Not because they tell us that dragons exist, but because they tell us that dragons can be defeated. It doesn't mean these events didn't happen. Let me quote you a a, a little section from Faith After Doubt by Brian McLaren. This is the book that the the, uh, book club is reading. We're just coming to this. I've just joined in and we're just near the end of the book. It's an extraordinary book and uh, um, we're just going to be looking at some of these issues uh, in here. This is what McLaren says. Whether or not the creation story happened factually as described in Genesis 
That's separate. But I, I was committing myself to live in a world as if it actually were a precious, beautiful, meaningful creation. And as if I were too. Whether or not there was a factual tree in a factual garden with a factual talking snake, I was committing myself to actually live in a world aware that I have good and just limits that I should not exceed, no matter how tempting the fruit of power, pleasure, profit or pride. Whether or not the Exodus story factually happened in history, I was committing myself to live in a world as if I and all my fellow humans were actually on a journey from oppression to liberation. Do you see the opening up of another way of reading the Bible? The details are important, but they're important for what they might open up for us. If we read the wind of Pentecost at the very first part of that reading, as the Spirit of God present all the way through since creation. We think differently about it. We, we see the world as the book of the world, the book of creation, which is the way Celtic Christians talk about it. They talk about holding on to the Bible, the Christian scriptures, and the book of the world, the book of the earth, the book of God's working in creation all through time for those of us who are aware of it. Ever since the creation of the world, Paul says, God has made God's self known in the things that God has created. They can be seen through what God has made. And we all know that. We all want to be outside in the weather. Don't we? Don't complain. It's supposed to be like this. It's supposed to be like this. We live in a temperate climate. We're supposed to have cool, wet winters. Well, we've got one. Let's rejoice. Because we don't know whether those who come after us will have the same pleasures. We don't quite know what's going to happen with that climate. The book of creation, it's alive in us all the way through since the moment of creation right now to now. And what about fire? What if we were to see the pillar of fire... This great story of, of the visible presence of God leading the people of God. What if we receive the little tongues like fire, as we, as we read in Acts, as our own personal pillar of fire? Offering each of us direction. Offering each of us the knowledge of the presence of God in us and with us. Offering each of us guidance. And the language, when, you know, they heard in their own language. I don't know if you've ever travelled overseas in a place where English is little spoken and you're trying to make yourself understood and then somebody who's a native English speaker who also speaks the language of the place you're in introduces themselves. I've had this experience, the relief of being able to communicate to somebody in the language I know best, the language I grew up with, the language of my heart. We can talk, we can talk in subtleties. I can explain what I need and what I want and they can hear it and we can talk. That, that's what's going on here. That there's this moment of being able to experience the world deeply and, and, and intimately in the language of the heart. That's what we're being invited to do. It opens the whole thing up 
Because it turns out this is the day of Pentecost. This very day. The first day of Pentecost was not a separate Jewish event. It was Jewish in every sense of itself. And it was specific to that moment. But what it triggered was the beginning, and this is what the whole book of of Acts is about, is this extraordinary event began an experience of this experience being for everyone. And if you read the book of Acts, there's all kinds of contortions and and uncertainties as people realised this was not a narrow event to be controlled and maintained, but this was an explosion all over the place to be not controlled, not contained. And and we've got all these church leaders, as they later became known, these apostles. They're not leading, they're trying to catch up. They're just running behind, trying to to make sense of this enormous explosion of the experience of God everywhere, all over the world. Old men and young men will have visions. Even women... That's nuts. Even, even slaves, even people at the bottom of society, it all just goes completely bonkers from that moment on. This is the day of Pentecost. Today. This is not an event for the church. Say, saying that it's the, um, the birth of the church, Pentecost is the birth of the church, is like saying, it's like saying that the invention of the um, optical fibre cable Enabled the development of those little table lamps that would have little. Well, it's true. You you can't deny that. You can buy those table lamps and they have lovely little lights on them. But it's burying the lead, really, isn't it? You know, it's burying the fact that it changed communication across the world completely. It's changed our entire culture. Yeah, that's the main bit. To say that the day of Pentecost is about the birth of the church is a bit like that. It's not about the... Yes, it is about the birth of the church, but it's about the explosion of an experience of God everywhere, all around the world, in all creation. All around us is a divine story. When we have the Wirra play day down in the beautiful garden here, that will be an opportunity to look, not just walk past, but to look at the extraordinary nature of creation. It will be a moment of Pentecost, a moment of the meaning and purpose of the world becoming alive in us as a community and as individuals. It's not a separate event. It's not something left in the past. It's something alive now. It was windy out there this morning and it'll be windy again. And who knows where the wind will blow? Who knows what it will call us 